The following episode of The Trumpet contains a scene featuring explicit material. The Trumpet is not an explicit podcast, but the scene featured on this episode contains language or situations some may find objectionable. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. My name is Robert Jean Pileccio. I am here uh, talking with a very special guest, Duncan Flaster. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, if I'm being quite honest, I will admit this right now. This is our second time in a row having this conversation because the podcast decided that Duncan's words uh, were not as interesting as mine. I don't agree with that sentiment at all. But um, we're now recording both of our voices and we're going to have a great time having this conversation. Uh, as someone who lived it once, I can tell you it was a great conversation, so I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. So, Duncan, once again, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Just to start off, uh, let's talk a little about your theater background. Um, what kind of brought you into the world of theater? Where did you study? Uh, well, my mom was an actress, so I always thought since I was a little kid that I was going to be an actor myself. And uh, I went to, I studied acting at New World School of the Arts in Miami, uh, the college division, and at uh, Boca Raton, uh, Florida Atlantic University. Oh, so you're uh, you're from Florida. Oh, yeah, I grew up in South Florida. Uh, I've been here in New York for about 15 years now. All right, perfect. And where, again, did you say you studied theater? Yes, I studied acting at New World School of the Arts in Miami. Perfect. And did you primarily study playwriting, or are there other uh, theatrical well, hats? I primarily studied acting. I have uh, very little formal uh, playwright training. Nice. Is, so do you consider yourself primarily a playwright, or have you explored uh, an equal part in every other aspect? Uh, no, I do consider myself primarily a playwright, although uh, I do direct a lot and... Uh, Occasionally someone will ask me to come be in one of their plays, and I'll still do that, because I still do like acting, but it just takes up so much time from writing that I can't do it all. So I act maybe like once a year when somebody's like, come be in my show! And, and just once a year, right? Yeah, just about. <laughs> you, you, try to, you try to avoid it, but it keeps pulling you back in. I'm very funny on stage, so people you, like to have me there. You, you seem very funny in real life, based on the whole conversation that we just had half an hour ago. Um, well, great. Um, and how long have you been writing? Uh, about 18 years. All right. And how many plays would you say you've written in that time? Uh, I think full-length plays, I'm up to like 20, 22. Maybe a little more, maybe a little fewer. Uh, then I have a whole bunch of shorter plays, 10 minutes, uh, half-hour plays. What style of you know, play length do you tend to lean towards the most? I think uh, full length is what I mostly do, but uh, ten minute plays are very popular because you can do a ten minute play competition, and uh, theaters can get a lot of actors on stage. So that means a lot of people in the audience, and so uh, that tends to uh, be a thing that uh, we are forced to write ten minute plays in order to get our plays seen. Great, and the play we're going to be talking about today that you submitted, uh, the formally titled "The Thing That Kills Me." Um, you mentioned in our previous interview that the title has since changed to Foreign Object. That's right. Uh, I'm not cl- clearly a 
very heavy subject matter, do you tend to lean towards drama more often? Because there is a fair amount of humor in, as, as tragic as the events of uh, the subject matter of that play are. Uh, there is definitely something to be said for the level of humor that is included as well. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to write funny plays. I tend uh, to have uh, characters who are funny even when terrible things are happening to them. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've been exploring some of the darker themes lately in some of my more recent plays. Because you just can't live on comedy alone. Oh, I agree. But you said back in the day you kind of lean towards comedy a lot. Yes. Well, again, you, you seem like a very you seem like a very funny individual. Yeah, I try. Well, awesome. Let's go into the thing that kills me or foreign object. Okay. Uh, before we play an excerpt, can you uh, please just talk a little for our listeners about the subject matter of the play and the synopsis behind it, just so we know, uh, frame a reference for it. Sure. I, uh, the play is inspired by the Orlando shootings uh, that happened a few months ago. I uh, wanted to sort of explore what a guy's life would like drive him to do that. News articles I read all seemed to be contradictory, and uh, I tried to like form a, a cohesive picture of what that would be like to live with uh, all of the stuff that was going on in his life. Awesome. And can you set up this next scene for us? Sure. Uh, so in uh, this scene, uh, Kepish is talking to his wife. Uh, she well, works a 9-to-5 job, and he's working uh, as a security guard on the night shift. And uh, so... Uh, she's getting ready for work and he uh, kills a spider for her uh, just before she goes. All right, perfect. Let's take a listen. Act 1, Scene 7. Setting. Capiche and Nora's bedroom. Bathroom offstage. Morning. At rise, Capiche is in bed in brightly colored boxer shorts, playing with his cell phone. Nora is wandering around the room, getting ready for work. Sometimes I envy you getting to stay in bed. I don't work any less than you do. I just do it later in the day. I know, just somehow it seems like it's more offensive to have to get up when it's still in the morning. You have all afternoon. It's not like it's fun. I mean, I'm awake now because you're awake. Yeah, I've got to brush my teeth. What did we eat last night? She goes off to the bathroom. Capiche smells his own breath, curious, then goes back to playing with his phone. It's probably that salsa you like. Maybe, but she's brushing her teeth and is incoherent for a moment. I mean, right? If you say so. Capiche looks around, pulls up his underwear, his underwear elastic, and takes a picture of his penis with his phone. Ah, oh, fuck! What is it? Oh god, there's a spider! There's a spider in here! So? Spiders are helpful. Oh no, don't do that. Spiders are bugs. We shouldn't have bugs in the house. Go kill it! They eat flies and other bugs. Spiders are our friends. Please, please, just go kill it. I can't do it. Go be a man. Oh Jesus, fine. Capiche gets up and goes into the, into the bathroom. Nor, meanwhile, starts putting her shoes on. Do you see it? Down by the sink? Yeah, I see it. We hear a little noise as the spider is squished. Capiche re-enters with a piece of toilet paper with a dead spider in it. Behold, woman, your hero. Oh, gross! Just throw it away! Just dispose of our enemy's body like that? How rude. Do you want to see it? No, I don't want to see it. Capiche teases her with the tissue. Come on, say goodbye to Mr. Spider. Stop that! It's not funny! 
have to get to work now. Oh, sure. I vanquish your insect for you, and then you leave me alone. Give me a kiss. Not till you get that dead spider out of your hands. I am the victor. I shall place this spider's head on a pole in the bathroom as a warning to other spiders. It'll have to be a very small pole. A toothpick or something. Yes, yes, you're very funny. She picks up the trash can from the bathroom. Here, throw it away. Okay, fine. He throws the spider in the trash can. Nor puts the trash can down on the ground and throws her throws his arms around her. Thank you, sweetheart. You take good care of me. I know. They kiss sweetly, then a moment later, it gets a little more passionate than they had intended. Capetia's hands run down her back to her butt. Nor breaks out of the clinch. Well, that was nice, but I do have to get to work. You can be late. No, no, I can't. I've been late too many times this month. I won't let your body keep me from work. You like my body? Maybe not in those underwear. They're silly. I can take them off. No, no, I'm going to work. Goodbye. She kisses him on the lips, grabs her bag, and is out the door. Thank you for the spider! Capiche, left alone, picks up the trash can. He looks into it and speaks to the dead spider. I'm sorry, buddy. It had to be done. I mean, I know that you're basically harmless to humans if we leave you alone. You wouldn't hurt a fly. Well, no, I guess you do hurt flies. Or eat them, anyway. I think I read that you inject them with a paralyzing venom or something so they don't feel anything. Or maybe it's that they just can't move and they feel everything. That would be worse. Which is it, buddy? I guess if I were a spider, I'd want people to know I was coming and be scared. But I wouldn't really want to hurt anyone. Anyway... Sorry for killing you. I would have done the thing with the glass and the card and let you out the back door, but I just didn't have the time. You know how wives are. Or maybe you don't. I don't know what your life is like. I should go back to bed. I'm talking to a dead fucking spider. Alright, awesome. Uh, so let us move into our discussion of Foreign Object, formerly known as The Thing That Kills Me. First things first, what was the intent behind writing this piece? What inspired the subject matter? Um, well, I just sort of wanted to delve into uh, what makes somebody do this kind of thing. I mean, uh, I've always been very interested in the idea of evil and where it comes from. And I don't think anybody ever thinks they're really evil, but they have reasons for doing things. And uh, although I don't think I can justify any of the thing any of the things that he did in the play or in real life and I don't think anybody can I just wanted to like explore his humanity as just like get into the as empathize with him and, and what was the biggest challenge you had or the challenges you had with this piece be it character or story oh um let's, I decided early on to uh, only have one Caucasian actor in the play. All the rest of the actors are uh, people of color. Um, and so that was interesting writing for different voices and uh, writing, incidentally, for actors that I love that don't get enough good parts. Um, I did a lot of research on uh, um, Muslim people and Islam. I read several books on it. I spoke to people. I interviewed people. Uh, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a lot of research, a lot of learning about cultures that I don't necessarily, I'm not a part of. Interesting. And I know that um, you'd mentioned earlier uh, about LGBT issues. Is this the only play you've done that focuses on LGBT issues, or do you have a history of writing from an LGBT perspective? No, I write a lot of plays from an LGBT perspective because I myself am gay. I'm second generation queer. 
my mother's a lesbian. Ah, so, salut. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I feel it's sort of my duty to write plays with gay characters in them. Even if it's not about them, there's usually a secondary character who's gay. Uh, just uh, I feel like queer representation is really important in the theater. Do you find, this is kind of jumping track, but um, I forgot to ask this in our previous interview. Um, do you find that gay characters and gay issues written from the gay mindset have any different effect from those written by people outside the community or, uh, or people who may be vaguely familiar with the community but not fully engrossed in it? I don't understand. You mean I, I mean do, writing as a writing as a gay, a gay character as a gay man. Um, do you feel that those characters have a different perspective about them than uh, other LGBT representation? Uh, not necessarily. Although I feel like a lot of in the past, a lot of writers have not been interested in really empathizing with the LGBT community and just using our car- our lives as a joke. But there are several people who do and have, like John Guare's Six Degrees of Separation is fascinating and, and I think a really interesting portrait of uh, uh, an LGBT man. And uh, he's straight. And I feel like there's, uh, yeah, I think you can do it. All right. You just need to try hard. And that's what I'm trying to do with this play is like, uh, the, some of the characters are gay, but I'm sort of trying to like, empathize with other cultures and do that that's what i'm trying to do i think it was interesting that there are um there are different types of gay characters that i mean the the most glaring one is obviously uh capish with his kind of battling in his head um with what he is and if he fits into this community uh based on the of course the orlando shooter um, right. and there's also the, you know, the, uh, basically every gay I've ever met in my life, um, shows up in this play. Um, what I guess was the biggest specific character challenge with Capish, uh, is it Capish or Capish? It's Capish. Capish. What was the biggest challenge specifically with him and the people around him? Uh, uh, I guess like dealing with his bisexuality because he is in love with his wife and I think he does want to stay with her and but at the same time also if he had been allowed to explore uh, homosexuality at a uh, as a young adult he probably would have made other choices and it's his restrictive uh, religious upbringing uh, as uh, dealt with by his father that really kept him away from that because, like, he's Pakistani and they throw gay people off buildings in Pakistan. It's, it's not... I thought it was interesting... Can... I thought it was interesting while reading it, the, the characterization of the father. Because um, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, I, I followed the Pulse incident very closely when it happened, it, it affected me and everybody in my community. Um, even the people not in the community, it, it affected a lot of the people closest to me, uh, even though we're in Philadelphia and this happened so far away. Um, I don't actually remember. I, I do remember that they interviewed the parents um, and the father. How much of the father's characterization was based on 
the information you got from the news reports and the information about the shooter and how much was kind of created to fit the narrative of his journey? Um, the only thing I really didn't take was that he had a, uh, he has a YouTube video series where he would like talk about Muslim issues. And I did not include that in my play. Capish Uh, or the father? The father. Really? He, yeah. And uh, a lot of them have been taken down now. But uh, he was uh, not quite radical himself, but uh, was approving of uh, terrorist acts in a sort of roundabout way. All right, interesting. Um, And I would say one of the things I noticed, um, one of the things that was most intriguing about reading the play uh, because as a director, when I read a play, most of the time, the first thing I'm thinking is what I would do with it, how I would stage it, how I would, um, how I would design it, um, kind of from every aspect. And I really liked the character list, seeing the various characters that are double cast. Uh, there's the three main characters that are kind of singular, and I noticed everybody else kind of slides in and out of... Uh, various other characters is that another trend in your writing that you include multiple characters um is it for kind of smaller theater groups to be able to realistically put on the show without exhausting their budget on actors yeah that's part of it but i also like to uh uh thematically group a lot of actors i was very inspired by uh angels in america uh in Tony Kushner's play, uh, the woman who plays the angel, uh, in every role she plays, she tells people not to move. I never noticed that when I read that. It's like a really subtle thing, but that's I love that. Angel. It's her big theme is stop moving, stop growing, stop getting bigger. But like she shows up as a, uh, uh, I think a, um, uh, what's a real estate agent at the beginning. And she's, her big theme is please don't move don't go anywhere you, I want people to settle down and buy houses and don't go anywhere and that she has other lines like telling people to stop and always doing that and so I tried to do that with one of the characters in this the guy who plays Stephen who uh, mainly appears as a uh, um, male stripper at the club uh, sort of uh, I, is like an idea of America he also appears as like a sort of Donald Trump style supporter early in the play where who tries to beat up Capish uh, and just sort of exemplifies America in different ways, but also ends up actually being Canadian. So uh, the ideal that Capish is going after doesn't really exist. That was, again, something I found really interesting about the way the characters were grouped, kind of. Uh, and I, I always think it's interesting in any play when it's specified because uh, I've seen other plays that kind of leave it up for interpretation that there's just a group of characters and the director decides, well, we can have uh, John play, you know, Ben and Jerry. Um, but uh, I think it's really interesting thematically that there are really clear links between the two characters that or the characters that are uh, double cast. Yeah, I tried to do that. I also, uh, in my play, The Tragedy of Dandelion... I tried to make the characters completely different from uh, when I thematically arranged the the breakdown so that uh, one character plays a rapist in the first scene and in the last scene is ended up playing 
this very sweet, innocent maid who is, like, taking care of someone else. And so just to give the actors something to stretch for. That play is also written for a cast of women to play all men and women throughout the play. So everybody should, except for the two main characters, everybody should play both a male and female character throughout it. That's cool. Um, yeah. And... Sorry, lost the, the train of thought for a moment. Um, have you ever had experience uh, workshopping uh, rough drafts of plays or plays at various stages before they get to the published point? In fact, I actually, I forgot to ask you earlier, um, of the plays you've written, how many uh, have been published and premiered and where specifically do you tend to bring your works? I've had like 20 of them produced, I think, uh, like nine of them are online at IndieTheaterNow.com, which they call themselves the iTunes of plays. Where I think I've worked with them think, before. Yeah, I think it's like two dollars. You can like read one of my plays, and I get like forty cents, which uh, is great. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've had a, a ten-minute play published in one of Smith and Krause's uh, best ten-minute plays of, I think it's two thousand thirteen. Uh, I have had some monologues published in their uh, annual Best Monologues for Men compilations the last few years. All right, great. Um, I know we're running a little bit out of time uh, from the deadline you gave us. So um, if I could just ask, what was your experience working with us? And was our feedback helpful in helping you take this piece to the next level? Yeah, it was really interesting because I wasn't there. I live in New York and you guys recorded uh, the reading and... Uh, a feedback session, which was just really interesting. I learned a lot from just what people didn't understand from going through it or didn't know why a scene was there. I was saying last time we did this that there was like one scene where the uh, there were just two characters talking about Shakespeare while Capish sat there and uh, a lot of the Elephant Room people didn't understand why the scene was there, understandably. In, in, so me included, no offense. Yeah. Uh, um, so now Capish like actually like speaks to them and like acknowledges they're talking about getting ready to kill someone and not telling your wife about it, which happens in a lot of Shakespeare plays. And so he comes in and talks to them about it before getting really embarrassed and running off. All right, interesting. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, talking to me about your play. Um, let's lighten it up for the end of this podcast just because the, the pulse shooting is... And the subject matter of the play is obviously a very deep uh, and dark subject matter. So because it's a theater podcast, I always like to end with the following three questions. What is your favorite actor, playwright, and play? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, Norbert Leo Butts. For the very actor. good I've option. Seen, I've seen him on stage more than I think anybody else. Um, Did you see him in Wicked? Uh, or? Sorry? Did you see him in Wicked? Yes, I did. Oh, you lucky duck. I saw his before his first performance coming back oh after cool he left for some kind of surgery nice uh, so yeah, my favorite uh, playwright charles ludlum uh who wrote uh, the mystery of irma vep and a bunch of other wonderful plays one of my Everybody favorite two-handers what one of my favorite two-handers mystery of irma vep it's an amazing piece but like all of his plays are fascinating um and then uh best play i think uh only um I almost said Orle Oleana. Arcadia by Tom Stoppard, which is a really cool piece that goes through uh, two different time periods at the same time, all set in the same room 
in an English country house, which doesn't really change all that much. And uh, it's a really cool play. I'm sorry, we have a we have an unintended tradition in this podcast of a black cat named Bagheera sneaking into where I'm recording. This is the second uh, episode that that's happened. I'm thinking about talking to Lauren about making him a co-host because he looks like he wants the job regardless. Um, uh, so yeah, um, thank you again so much. Um, I'm really glad that you had a positive experience with us, and thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, yeah, for- before you go, can you... Um, for our listeners, can you give that website again where your plays are available? Oh, sure. It's IndieTheaterNow.com. Like indie film, but indie theater. And I think it's theater with an R-E. Of course. And you can also go... Oh, la-di-da. <laughs> you can also go to DuncanPlaster.com, which is where uh, I have all of my plays, like synopsises and stuff like that. All right, perfect. And if you are a young playwright out there uh, and you want your work heard... No matter what state it's in, please send it to us at erpsubmissions at gmail.com. Every story deserves to be heard, so join our elephant herd and let your voice come forth. Um, Duncan, thank you again so much for chatting with me twice tonight. Um, (laughs) And to all of you out there in podcast land, you have a great rest of the night. Until next time, I'm Robert Jean Pelleccio signing off.